if you live, if you discover your true essence and you live in your essence, you are your most powerful self. You can live in your authenticity. And when we are living in our true essence, we are most powerful. We are living purposefully. And then everything we need is available to us in abundance to be able to help who we're supposed to help, do what we're supposed to do, and live the life that we were created for. This is not your mother's middle age. No longer is waking up each day, living the wash, rinse, and repeat cycle acceptable. We have the life lessons, the relationships, the wins, and the losses with which to navigate to our highest self without hesitation and without fear leading the way. We have been there and done that, and so we have so much to offer the world and each other. So join me on this journey speaking to ordinary women doing extraordinary things for new insights, new ideas, new medical breakthroughs, and new life lessons. You will be inspired to find your best life here and now. My name is Wendy Charles McGuire, and this is your Second Wind Podcast. Today, we're speaking with Connie Jones, and I've actually known of Connie for probably 10 years now, but not until I did some research about her business from a Facebook post I saw, did I actually have a real conversation with her. This woman certainly is living her second wind after a lifetime of questioning, turns, and missteps. Through it all, she has reaffirmed her faith her intuitive skills, and her dynamic motivational skills that have launched her into her business called Arise Counseling and Coaching. Welcome, Connie, to the Second Wind Podcast. Well, thank you, Wendy. I'm excited to be here. And um, and I know that we've got lots of fun stuff and interesting stuff to talk about today. Because um, I'm going to say we have a lot of unpacking to do. Yes, we do. That's a great way to put it. <laughs> well, you have such a cool story, well, which have you. so that I think can resonate with so many different people. Even you and I had so many similarities in our own how we grew up that it's with our relationships with food and people and things and exercise is very interesting. So I hope that everybody will get as much out of the conversation we're going to have as I did. Yes, we are so, definitely kindred souls. So. Yes. So let's jump <laughs> right in with that first fabulous second wind question. What was your clue, your trigger or your aha moment that prompted you or got you into your second wind? Yeah, well, I was 39 and I remember it was like it was yesterday. I had a, well, at the time I was working as a, well, let me go back a little bit. I had been in the fitness industry and was, I thought that was my purpose. And uh, so I had spent probably 10 years out of college in the fitness industry. So I was running, I was a personal trainer and then I was managing gyms. And then I moved back into the sports performance industry, coaching athletes, and uh, which I had done some in grad school and had been an athlete myself. So that I had known that world for a long time and had missed athletics. And my dad was a college coach. And so it was just a, an area that I knew very well. And so I spent years doing that. Well, then I had this, felt this calling inside to do more because what I would see as I trained people, whether it was just the general public, which I loved or athletes was that I would, there was a block. It was, they, people want change 
But what keeps us from change is not only motivation, but also mindset. And it's mindsets and habits and what we believe is available to us and what we, you know, think, think about how we feel about ourselves and what we think and how we're spending our time and our energy. And so there were many more things that I wanted to help people with other than just the physical aspect of it. So I had moved into counseling. I'm trying to fast forward through this. I had gone back to grad school and I was working as a counselor at the time, which is before the coaching industry exploded, it was counseling. And so that's the way that I thought that I really wanted to help people grow and develop and, and get breakthrough in their lives and transformation because, you know, I knew that I wanted to help them get the change that they really wanted internally to create the change in their life. Well, so I was working for this agency and I was seeing clients one-on-one, just, I was a single woman, 39 years old, had not been married, was just struggling and, you know, just paycheck on paycheck, paycheck to paycheck, was living that way and was you know, I just had a heart for people, wanted to help. But the way that I was doing it was not working. And I literally, after 10 years of seeing clients, I was literally probably seeing 26 to 35 clients a week. And I was working for the drug court here in Fayette County, well, four counties. And I was doing addiction work. And I mean, it was just, I was, I loved my work, but it wasn't, I was helping everybody else get their lives straight. But my life, was not um, nothing like I wanted it to be. And I literally had a mental, physical, emotional breakdown. And I know that's very simplified, a simplified version. We can go into some of the details, I'm sure. But, but at 39, here I was, I woke up one morning and I couldn't do it anymore. I could not get up and face the day. I had adrenal fatigue. I had thyroid problems. I was in early perimenopause or early menopause uh, or perimenopause at that point. And I just, I was miserable in my life. And I just, I looked around at the, you know, the success and the, the, what seemed to be, you know, happiness and families all around me in this incredible community that I lived in. And I didn't have any of that in my life. And I had a good heart. And but I just, you know, and I had had a lot of success early on in my life. But as you said, many missteps, many turns along the way. And here I was, and there was a huge gap from where I wanted to be and where I was actually living in my reality. And so that day was the aha that something has to change because I cannot keep going on like this. And I literally could not get, I couldn't get out of bed that day. And was it like a, it's either this way, it's either choice A or choice B? Yeah, well, it was. And you, I didn't know what else to do though, because I felt so stuck. And, you know, and now one of my big things in my coaching practice is you're never stuck. You know, stuck is an illusion. But it stuck feels very real when we're in that place. Mm -hmm. And so, and it does seem like the reality because we don't understand our power and our choices. Well, I didn't have, I didn't feel like I had any other choices. I felt like it was either keep going to work to pay the bills because I didn't have anybody else to depend on, you know, and I had that whole narrative of I'm all alone and mm -hmm. it's up to me and I have to keep working to pay and I have to make sure, you know, and it's, you know, God put me here as in my purpose is to help people. And I, you know, in my purpose, but why am I so miserable? And, and it was just, I had all these questions, but I had no solutions. And so I, in that during, 
on that day, I made some decisions. Number one, and, and I don't know if you're, are you ready for me to go into this? You know, we talked about what I did that day the other day. When well, we yeah, talking. I think it's really important. It's also, we'll also go back to like how we made that, but you're going to talk about the letter, right? Yes. Well, yeah, that, so and then, uh, you. The, you know, what I did after that, but yes, I literally, I said, I got really angry at God that day because I, here, I thought I was living my purpose and I thought that I had, you know, done everything right mm-hmm. according to what I had been, you know, my upbringing and what I had been taught and, you know, and I thought I was honoring the gifts that he had given me, you know, and caring about people and, but why is this not working for me? And it, I looked around and it looked like it was working for everybody else, but not for me. So obviously I must have gone wrong. Did you feel like you were trying to put the square peg in the round hole? Absolutely. That's a great way to put it. It wasn't working. It just wasn't. And I was, you were so round, but the thing was so square. (laughs) It was terrible. It's supposed to work. And isn't that what we do? We just try to force it in there. We just keep trying to cram it because either we're convinced that, well, it has to work because I see it's working in somebody else's life, or I don't know what else to do. So I'm just going to keep doing this. So more effort, more hard work, more time is in our minds, the answer when that's not the answer. It's taking a step back and realizing, you know, okay, I've got to shift. I've got to make, I've got to do something different here, which means that I've got to learn a new way. This isn't working. And so, and that's exactly what I did. Well, the first thing I did was very angry. I was very angry and I wrote an angry letter to God. And I mean, it started out not as a letter, but it started out me just like yelling at did you, What's curse, that? did you curse at God? Oh, absolutely. Oh my yes. goodness. I, I said, I don't, you know, I don't want this. This is, I don't know why this is so hard. I don't want you to be my God anymore. That You know, I don't want you to, you know, I don't want to honor you with my purpose anymore. If this is the way life is going to be, this is like, is this some kind of sick joke? You know, I just went on wow. and on and I just told him exactly how I felt about him. <laughs> and I said, but at the end of that, I went on for like three pages, you know, just on and on. And and then at the end of it, I said, but you know what, God, I don't have any other option here. And I know that, you know, that you are in control and I know because I've been taught that you love me. And so obviously like I'm missing something. And so I need you to show me a clearing here. I need you to give me some, some answers and I need to understand what I'm missing. And I didn't hear anything right then, but I felt a peace because I had just let it all out. And, you know, I wasn't performing anymore. I wasn't performing for people. I wasn't performing for God. I just like let the authenticity of me just roll that day. And so I didn't hear that day, but I heard later on, you know, many things from him over the next eight years, which it's amazing. It's been eight years. Mm -hmm. And the next thing I did that afternoon is I called a life coach. And I had no idea how I was going to pay for her. I had been introduced or given somebody's name two weeks before this. I'd sat down at lunch with a friend and I had confided in him that day and told him how miserable I was and just how much something had to change. And he said to me, he said, well, why don't you contact somebody who's doing what you really want to be doing? And, and I thought, well, that's a great what you wanted to do. Did you? Well, I didn't know, but I knew that there were other people who seemed to be doing a little bit more of some things that I wanted to do. 
Okay. And I had heard about coaching and I, so I just took a, I just pivoted and took a, you know, sometimes we just have to take a step Mm -hmm. and then we, other doors open and other things, you know, will unfold in front of us. And I just thought, well, all right, you know, this might be a step in the right direction. And so it's doing something different rather than continuing to do the same. But you made this call knowing that this was this was probably out of your grade of pay to no be able to afford this. So a lot of people will get stuck there. Why do you think that you push through that? Tell us about that. You know, when you get desperate enough, you are willing to do whatever it takes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, change, we all say that we want change in our lives, but are we, you know, it, we're either inspired into change or we get we get into desperation enough. So it's inspiration or desperation. So we're inspired into change or we become desperate enough that we cannot change um, something. And one of those two is the catalyst. And so that was my catalyst that day. I was desperate and I had no idea. I knew that if I continued to do what I was doing, where that took, and I knew that something had to change. And I just, I had no idea how it was going to happen, but I knew that I had to take a step in a different direction. And so, um, you know, I already had debt. I, you know, was, I was like, what's a little more if it's going to change my life, you know? So I just. They made that phone call. What what happened? Well, we, she, we set up an appointment uh, for a couple days from that and we did a consultation and, and then, you know, she went over how, and I just loved her, you know, I really resonated with her and I heard some of her story and, Mm -hmm. you know, I really got all the details about her program and how she worked and what she was going to help me with. And it just felt, it felt right. That's that intuition. You know, I just knew in my gut that that was the next step. This was your lifeline. Right. And I knew it was twofold. I knew that I needed another person in my life to a professional to help me. I had been in counseling for years. I mean, that is a very valuable healing. We all need healing and we can't really oftentimes, you know, get the full, sometimes it's our emotional wounds that keep us stuck. And so, but I knew at this point that it wasn't my emotional wounds that were keeping me stuck because I was pretty whole and healed from my emotional stuff. I just needed the mindset and the habits and the life shifts and the business shifts. And I just didn't know how to do anything other than I was at my capacity and I needed to expand my capacity. And I knew that I needed help, but I also knew there's that God letter. I, it was a twofold thing for me because I knew that leaning into God and into my faith and really not just living according to religious doctrine, but really getting to know God. And at a deeper level, that was the other side of things. And I talk a lot about that um, in my book. And, you know, but I talk about this twofold process a lot that my book is coming out in the next couple couple months. But, but, and so it was that twofold process, but I needed that person, you know, and sometimes we do. And that person is invaluable, you know, um, someone else's life experience and wisdom and their gifts, you know, there are people who are created to help us 
with our finances, with our fitness, with mm-hmm. our nutrition, with our, our life, our business. And there's nothing wrong with needing help. And I needed help. Right. Would you say that? Well, there's a few things here. So this person was obviously going to offer you a map or like a diagram of what you need to do next. Because you obviously were reaching for stuff. You were doing so many different kinds of coaching, trying to find that thing, right? And you just spread yourself so thin. I did. So here's this person offering this map. But would you also say that this person had come into your life two months earlier? It may not have worked. Yeah, well, I wasn't ready. I wasn't desperate enough. Right. You know, I was still in that self-sufficiency, self-effort. I I'm got going, this. I got this. I'm going to keep trying to do this. Something's going to change, you know, and, and I was still in denial at some level, even though I, you know, I was starting to kind of come unraveled, you know, and actually I, I call it my period of, and that's the, actually the chapter of the book is called un, my undoing. It was my undoing. Wow. And, you know, and oftentimes, you know, I was programmed all of my life to be a doer and an independent person and a self-sufficient, you know, I got this achiever, high overachiever. And I'd always been able to put my mind to something and make it happen. Let's go into that. This is a great segue for that because your history is really so here you are and you are growing up a coach's daughter. Yep. And athletics is important. So let's start there. Let's wind you up so that now we know how we unwound you. Yes. That's <laughs> so let's wind a great way to let's do the wrapping up of make the present of Connie. Yes. I love that. I had an idyllic childhood from a, it was from the outside. It looked like we were the Cleaver family. You know, it I had, my mom was a teacher. My dad was a coach. I had a brother who was a, a year older than me, but there's brokenness in every family. There's dysfunction in every family. And even though my parents loved me the best that they could, and they did the best, you know, the best that they knew how, and they did an incredible job in a lot of ways, but you know, we get their stuff and they're, you know, hurting people, hurt other people and brokenness is passed down. And so we, I learned that I learned the world of performance. We were, you know, a coach's daughter in a small town in Georgia. Our family was kind of on stage all the time. We were, everybody was watching us. My dad was a very, you know, strong Christian, strong leader who was, you know, developing everybody else's kids and he was a role model. And so we got the message that, and nobody really ever said we had to do this. It wasn't spoken, it was unspoken, but we got the message of the standard that we were to set. And and my mom was an overachiever and she made it very clear. She's a very strong woman. I love her dearly. She's my best friend to this day. We've done a lot of work together to get to this point, but we, she made it very clear about the expectation and we were not to disappoint. And so we had very, very high standards and my brother is a natural overachiever. And so, you know, I'm the little sister who's, and I loved, I was the little sister who just loved animals and Cheetos and chocolate ice cream. I wanted everybody just to be happy and I wanted peace in my environment. I wanted to be loved and, you know, and I loved clothes and jewelry and all that, you know, I was just the free spirit, but the rest of my, well, my dad was gone a lot because he was coaching. And so he wasn't there to say anything different, but my mom was a hard driver and she didn't know she was trying to give us the life that she didn't have as a kid. She was an incredible mom, 
She did everything for us, taught us how to do all of these wonderful things, but the expectations were high. And so we got the message that this is that you achieve, you perform and you be the best and you don't, but you be humble and you care about others and you love others and you be Christ-like in doing that because it was just the right thing to do. And we truly believe that. And so that's the way we lived, but that comes at a cost because in order to, what I felt like I had to do was be machinistic at, to some level. I had to, I was, I had to be a great athlete. I had to be a great Christian. I had to be, had to have a being thin and you had to look the part and fit. walk the walk. Right. So and I had to be a great for a team. Best. Right. Exactly. Okay. And so, you know, in order to maintain that kind of standard, it's a sacrifice. And so, you know, I didn't go to parties. I didn't drink. I didn't have fun with the rest of the kids. I mean, I was a fun kid. I don't mean that. I was very well liked and and I loved people, but I, and, but I, I was very driven. And so it was, you know, and so, and I got the message somehow that I not only had to be the best athlete and be, you know, I played three sports and I had to get a college scholarship, but I also had to be, you know, it was my goal to be valedictorian of my high school. And so I mean, it was like in every area, there was no give at all. There was no break. And so it was life just had to be a striving all the time of excellence. And so living that way takes a toll. And yeah, what did that look like for you? Yeah, well, I did very well and, and achieved everything I wanted to achieve up into up until my the summer before I went to college. And then I started having anxiety because I didn't, I had been a big fish in a small pond and I had done very well, but here I was about to leave my family where I was no longer Coach Jones's daughter. I was, you know, I had all I could think of at the time and I didn't realize it at the time, but all I could think of was that I have four more years of this kind of grind, this kind of performing. And I didn't know if I could do it anymore. (laughs) And I had to do it at a whole nother level because I was headed to a really good school and was, had to prove myself all over again. And And you were getting paid to play. And I was getting paid to play at this point. Right. So I just, expectations, it felt overwhelming. You know, and I had the imposter. Oh my gosh, I had imposter syndrome at that point. I didn't realize I did at the time. I didn't know what right. it was, but I now I now realize that. You know, it's like, wait a minute, am, am I really? You know, is, am I really worth all this? Is this really? Am I good enough? Am I? You know, and so all that was going on, and I started having this really debilitating anxiety. And so, in order to cope with that, I started controlling my exercise and my food, and it turned into over the next year a pretty significant eating disorder. And I you know, opened. And that can of worms. And once you go in, it's can't get back out. I couldn't get back out on my own. Do you mind sharing what that no, was? Not at all. I, so I started out with control and I mean, all of it's control, but with, with the control of really what I had in my mind, was that I'm going to just be in the best shape I can possibly be in because best shape, then if I'm not as great an athlete, then at least I can overcome with work ethic and be, you know, I was always, if you work harder than everybody else, you can get farther. You know, that was that mindset. And so I just, I did everything perfectly. And so I ate perfect nutrition, which at the time I wasn't perfect, but I thought it was, it was, you know, would eat cereal, like a whole grain cereal for breakfast, cereal for dinner and a chicken salad for lunch. And so that was what felt safe to me. You know, it wasn't enough for my body. Now I understand that, but at the time I thought it was. And so I just, you know, I got 
hooked really quickly to that feeling of being so lean. And, and I was working out and running intervals and, you know, and fielding balls every day because I was on a softball scholarship. And so mm-hmm. I was fielding balls every day and just working myself to death. And eventually my normal weight is about 139 to about 143. I slide, you know, but I was when I went to school, I was 103 pounds. No, oh my goodness. Yeah. And how um, tall are you, Connie? Five, six. Yeah, so I was really, really thin and, Ooh. you know, but just a, a, just a muscle that was, you know, I just was very low body fat. And of course that affected me hormonally and affected, you know, the way that, you know, the energy that I had, the brain that I had at time, my body was on a high. So I was running on adrenaline. So right. that worked. You were, you were that fight worked. or flight. Exactly. So that worked for some time until my body couldn't do it anymore. And then midway through my freshman year, I started having, I started getting hungry and I, you know, in the cafeteria at school had this incredible food and I saw all the kids, you know, around me eating normally. And I didn't understand why I couldn't. And so it started out with, you know, I'd splurge on, you know, chicken pie on you know, I'd eat chicken pot pie at lunch on Tuesdays. And then, you know, I'd splurge on the weekend. And just as I started eating here and there, I, when I would eat, my body was starving. And so I would binge and then I would have to exercise for hours to, uh, luckily I didn't do a whole lot of throw up purging, but I did a lot of exercise purging and use laxatives at, at times too. But, but my main way of purging was literally exercising for three hours. And so I would go and, you know, do my exercise and extreme. And then I started getting injuries and then uh, it started cutting into, I was too tired to go to class. And so my grades dropped and it just wasn't me. And then the toll chemically that takes on your body caused, I was, I started having some depression. So I would have, I had depression along with the anxiety that I was having and I was managing the anxiety with my control or so I thought I was, but not very well. And so it just became this up and down, up and down, up and down cycling until finally my coach came to me. Well, my parents knew something was going on. And so they were you know, alerted to it. And then my coach finally came to me and I was in the training room all the time with injuries and, and I was just miserable. It, that's, it's no life to live that way. It was bondage. And so I finally got some help. I got into some counseling and then went home for the summer and got a little bit better, but then came back my sophomore year and it got worse again. And then I Christmas of my sophomore year, I ended up having to go to a, well, that next spring, I ended up having to go to an inpatient treatment center. And I was there for, I was supposed to be there for 90 days. I think I stayed like 75 of those 90 days and got treatment and then stayed home. My doctor's prescription for me was you need to learn how to be and learn who you are, not what you do. And so he said, really big. And I had no clue. I was scared to death. That scared me probably more than anything. I was like, do nothing. So he said, I want you staying home and I want you to do nothing for a year. Because your whole you life, you were like like a, a character, character, right? You were. Like, I didn't know who I was outside of, I was Coach Jones's daughter. I was, my brother's name was Philly. I was Philly's little sister. I was, you know, because he was a great athlete. He was the star quarterback, on, you know, and was, uh, you know, I was an athlete. I was a, a great student. I didn't know who I was outside of what I did. And so that year 
was a, an incredible year, actually. And there was a lot of healing that happened not only inside of me, but the healing started with my family because I lived at home with my mom and dad. And I really, looking back now, I needed that year because I, all of my life, I was overshadowed by my brother's success. He was mm-hmm. kind of a hero in our family. And it was never really about me until I got sick. And then I was kind of the peacemaker in the family. I was kind of the glue that held everything together, but I just was the people pleaser. And finally I got to need, I got to be, you know, I got to need my mom and dad. And, you know, my dad was all about, you know, he loved me dearly. I mean, I never didn't feel his love, but he was, you know, we all knew that football was, was the most important thing. And so we never, I never really got resentful of that. I just knew that that's what he did. And I knew why he did it. And I knew that he was making a difference in kids' lives and he was doing it all for the right reasons. And that's just what he did. But I needed my dad. I didn't know that until that year that I had with him and my mom. And then the years after that, it was my time, you know, and I sad that sometimes we have to get sick and kind of be the identified patient in our family in order to you know get the attention that we need. But right. I didn't purpose, but it just turned out that way. So it sounds like but, it was healing for everyone. So you're now you have gone through this year, you've done some healing. Mm-hmm. So what happens next? So I transferred to Georgia. And at that point, my dad was uh, retiring from high school coaching. And it just so happened that a few months after I transferred to Georgia, he got hired as a coach at Georgia. And so he was there with me together. And so we that those were fun years. We had a lot of really good time. There's just nothing like having your dad on the sidelines at, you know, coaching at a school where there's hundreds of thousands of people on yeah, Saturday. It's a big deal. Yeah. For those who aren't in, uh, in it, the South, it really, <laughs> it's a huge it was, deal. It was a lot of fun. But um, so I finished school and still was kind of lost. Didn't really know what I wanted to do. I thought I was, I thought at that point it was fitness. You can understand why, why I was so into fitness, but I was healing. I was getting better. I was seeing a therapist there. I loved, loved her. And I was really doing a lot of good work on myself, but just lost still just didn't, you know, all I had ever wanted was to be a wife and a mom. I wanted to, I loved the life, even though there, I was hurt in some ways. And even though there were some negatives about the way I grew up, I loved the life that we had. And I wanted to, I thought I was going to marry a coach or a football player and I was going to have that life myself. That was the picture that I thought was going to happen. And so I didn't have, that was a picture in your head. Yeah, it was exactly. I didn't have huge career aspirations or I just thought, oh, I'll do this fitness stuff because I love it and I'll help people because that's what I knew and love too. And then I'll find the man I'm supposed to marry and, you know, he'll coach and he'll, you know, both be living our purpose and we'll have a family and and have a family and do this great life together. And that was, that's what I wanted. And it didn't turn out that way. And, um, you find a gentleman, I had several relationships and they were all football players, of course. And, but never, because I didn't know who I was, it was all about them. And so I would lose myself in all of my relationships and then I'd end up miserable. And so that, you know, that just never worked out. And so, but had one final hope. I met when I finished school, I decided to go right into grad school because I didn't know what I wanted to do other than fitness. And I thought, well, I'll just go to grad school and get a graduate degree in something while I'm 
hoping to meet my husband. Oh, figuring this out. Right, exactly. Okay. And um, and I did. I met actually my dad had a he wasn't a football coach, but he was a baseball coach at Georgia. And he was Mr. All-American. And I thought he hung the moon. And so my dad actually introduced us. They were friends and uh, because they were, you know, coaches together. Coaches and, together. and I he was my picture. He was the picture of what I thought I wanted. Check and the box, she says boxes. He had it. And so, and we dated and we dated for the next five years and I, you know, started my career in fitness and he was, you know, just starting out. He had started out as a GA at the time. And so he was moving up the ladder and, you know, he was striving to try to become who he thought he was supposed to be and wanted to be. But, you know, that world is that world is brutal in mm-hmm. the coaching, college coaching world. I actually and, lived that world for a little bit, young lady. Yes, yes I and, did. <laughs> and it, there's not a whole lot of life in that. So it's a fun world, but it's got its own challenges majorly. And so we dated for a while and, or, for, you know, a long time. And then he got his job, his first real, he had moved up into a lower assistance position at, at Georgia. But, you know, he'd worked his way up from a graduate assistant and he was, right. you know, but he got his first like really good assistant job. He was the head assistant or the first assistant mm-hmm. and was the recruiting coordinator. And he got a job at ECU in Greenville, North Carolina, East Carolina. And so we had been dating for some time and I, you know, was still just kind of like in and out of, I wasn't in the full blown eating disorder, but I would still struggle. I still didn't know who I was still, you know, in counseling, just working through stuff, trying to still figure out me. And, but, you know, head over heels with him and, and just needed him to be my hero. And so when he got that job, you know, we talked about, all right, well, what do we do? And it just made sense to get engaged. And so we did, but I didn't realize it at the time that, you know, I just, I thought I was ready, but I just wasn't ready. And so I went ahead though, we got engaged. It was the right thing to do. I loved him. We, he loved me. We, I moved up to Greenville and got a job, fitness director at a health club. And, but I started as he became upset, like literally obsessed with his work. And I was gone all the time. And I started seeing some things that some little signals that I had not seen before that I didn't like, and it scared me. And he became a a lot more controlling than he had been. And, and, you know, I was up there, it was just me and him and I moved and left everything and moved up there with him. And I, after about six months, we were planning the wedding to be six months later. And I just started seeing some things that really I couldn't live with. And I, and to his credit, it wasn't all his fault. I mean, you know, I was still kind of lost, um, still trying to find me, mm-hmm. didn't know what I really wanted to do and was still working through, you know, some of the the struggles with the eating disorder. And, and then also the recruiting piece added a lot. He had not had that before. So he was traveling all the time. And, you know, I mean, I, I knew what it was like to be, to live with a coach. I mean, that was not the problem. I'm very independent, but like it was extreme. And so I just thought this is not the life that I want to live and this isn't right. And I literally six weeks out from the wedding, it's one of the hardest things I ever did, but I moved home, told him I'm can't do this. Well, we had a big, we had a big fight that always helps, you know, in the moment you can be emotional and, you know, and that helps make hard decisions sometimes, but I couldn't do it. I thought, you know, there's 
something inside of me just said, there's more and this isn't it. And I didn't know what it was at the time, but I took the leap and moved back. Oh, well. (laughs) Because at that point, there's so many other people now involved. You told me what was... We How had many nine, people were invited to this wedding. Nine hundred people hey, invited. Let's yeah. just back up a second. I'm planning my daughter's wedding, and she won't let us go above 150. And I'm like, can I just invite four of my friends, please? And nine hundred. I we, can't. So now you've got invitations that are out, right? Because those go well, out. They, that weekend, this, the timing was crazy. That weekend, my mom and dad had driven down to, or had flown down, I'm sorry, to my grandmother's who lived in Fort Lauderdale. That's where my mom is from. And they were, they had taken the weekend and they were addressing invitations. So they were going out that next Monday and we had a fight over the weekend. So we got it just perfectly. And, And so we didn't have to, you know, there was a lot of didn't you know, have to explain, didn't have to explain nothing. Right. There was a lot of things that we did have to handle. One funny quick story is that my mom and dad ended up giving me the rest of the money that they had saved. And they were worried at this point um, about me. They loved him, but they were worried at some of the things that, you know, I would call home and of course, you know, I mean, I was young and, and would call home and, you know, be upset. And so they were really concerned about me at this point. And so my mom, you know, when I told her that we were done and said that I was going to have to come home, she said, well, honey, you know, I'm so sorry. And I know you loved him, but we have been praying for this. We just, oh didn't. yeah. So and they were so, definitely supporting your decision. They weren't telling you what to do, but they were supporting right. and praying for. So that's very interesting. And so I was telling you. Yes. And so they, they gave me the rest of the money for the wedding that they had saved up to buy. I had a, had an old car that they had given me in college and it had just, I had like 200 plus thousand miles and and they gave me the money to buy a car and I went and bought my first Jeep Wrangler. Nice. And and that was my freedom ride. There you go. There you go. What color was it, Connie? What's that? Color? It was white. Oh, I was going to guess red. Okay. Yeah, it was so anyway, that's my funny story. But so anyway, and they were wonderful. And uh, I mean, that was hard. It was really hard, you know, and but so you have to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. Now you're not engaged. Now you're not living that what you thought you were supposed to. Now who am I? Now who you are going to be. Next question. And now what do I do? You know, and over the next year, I, I finished grad school. I figured it out. I, um, I knew that, you know, I didn't want to live at home, of course. And I was 26, 27. And um, I, I knew that I wanted to be back. And I thought I wanted to be working with athletes again because I missed that population. And so I thought, well, maybe if I try sports performance, the sports performance industry, that's where, you know, my happiness is. And that's where my purpose is. And so, but I knew that I wanted to be back in the Atlanta area or that I wanted to be in the Atlanta area. We were, um, I had grown up in Winder, which is right outside of Athens, but it's, you know, metro, somewhat metro mm-hmm. Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my friends lived in Atlanta and a lot of, you know, people that I knew, I just thought there was more opportunity here. Well, little did I know that uh, moving to Peachtree City was not necessarily Atlanta. It was more, it was more family town, <laughs> which I loved. I loved the community. I, I had always lived in that kind of, you know, real small community, family oriented. I love that atmosphere. But here I was a single woman and had just, you know, and you came here because of a job? 
And I came here because of a job. Yes, I got, I got offered a job in the sports performance industry at Velocity Sports Performance. Okay. So I moved here, not knowing anyone, didn't know anything about Peachtree City, just took a job to get a new start and to not Mm -hmm. have to live at home. (laughs) And that was what, 17 years ago? something like that. Yeah. And, and so just kind of found my way, obviously, you know, we pick up the story at the beginning where I had, you know, been in sports performance, but knew that there was more thought it was counseling and I still do some counseling and I still love the counseling. I don't mean that that is not part of my purpose. I just knew that there was more. Well, let me ask you a question, Connie. So when you were, as we started the conversation, you were training athletes, you were coaching performance athletes, working with people to reach their goals, maybe of losing weight or whatever it was. And you were frustrated, it sounded like, because you weren't, you were saying they weren't making the connection to make change happen. Were you not seeing the results that you thought you should be seeing based on your coaching? And is that what made you say, well, there's got to be more to this? Yeah, no, I I was, I was seeing the results, but I just had this, and I guess it's just you know, when you're made for something and I didn't know that what I was really made for, but I knew that it wasn't that I wasn't getting the results. It's that I wanted more for people. And I just felt so. It was like a puzzle piece missing. Yeah. I I felt it was limited. I I didn't just want to help people with their physical development. I wanted to help them with their heart and their mind and their life and their, you know, their work and their purpose. It was more, it was a deeper, it was, there was just more that I wanted to help with. And so I just craved that deeper connection with people. And I think, and you know, now looking back, I get that from my dad. I mean, you know, it was just, I was made to be a coach just in a different way. Um, (laughs) and so I, you know, when I hired the life coach, she helped me really nail that down, understand the essence of me. What are my gifts? What are my strengths? What is my purpose? What is my passion? What, how do I want to show up in the world? How do I want to impact people and create change in the minds and the hearts of people and the lives of people? And so I got real clear about that. And she really helped me, you know, gain that clarity and then create a dream to action plan of, all right, here's where I am and here's where I want to be. And not only in my life, but in my business, in my work, in my career. And, you know, and so what does that look like and how do I close that gap? You know, to make this happen. Where you are and where you feel and intuitively know you need to be. What makes your heart sing? How do you get there? That's it. What makes your heart sing? I love that. And how do you get there? So, so I, yeah, so I, you know, worked through that process with her and I knew that it wasn't working. It wasn't in the counseling agency. That wasn't my, it wasn't my calling. I still do some counseling. I actually now lead and develop five other counseling or therapists and coaches in my own group practice that I own and which I love doing that work. I love developing people mm-hmm. and, um, but I, wanted to coach. I wanted to see people. I didn't want to unravel the yarn so much anymore as I wanted to knit the sweater. I wanted to, I want people to, I want to see people awaken and uncage from these mindsets and habits that are keeping them stuck and stuck in struggle, striving and surviving, which was the life that I was living for so long. 
And I want to see them be able to soar and thrive because that's what we're created for. And I wanted to help people find their purpose. And I wanted to help them find the more in their life and their work and their business and, and understand that we live at the level of our beliefs and that we are settling for so much less than the life that we were given or we were intended for. And that's the work that I, you can hear it in my voice talking about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love it. So now I love, I love helping people unlock and unleash their power and their purpose and their potential, whether that's in life, whether that's in their business, um, you know, or any other area, their finances. And so, you know, and I don't know how you compartmentalize. I, I see typically people will come in for one thing and then we'll end up working on every area of their life. That's not working for them, you know, you know, yeah. and because you can't really compartmentalize it all bleeds into each other. It's all connected. It is. It just is, is, whether you like it or not. You can't just say, because you're the common denominator. Five pounds, you can say that, but there's a reason why you're right. needing to lose five pounds. And until you fix that and figure that that's out, right. those five pounds are going to come and go. That's it. And when you don't have good habits in one area of your life, or when you don't have a healthy mindset or a healthy beliefs in one area of your life, they're going to bleed over into the other area. So I see people who, you know, if they're not taking care of themselves and they're upset about the way that they feel, then they're probably not living at the level of their potential in their business either or in their career because they've got mindsets and habits that are keeping them stuck or their finances or they're they're buying into the lack and the scarcity or the self-doubt or the fear and that's just overwhelming them or so many people that I see, this is the big thing, people live in duty and obligation and responsibility and they are literally surviving every day rather than thriving. Wash, rinse, repeat. Exactly. The grind, you know, and they just think that this is all there is and this is what I have to keep doing. And it's just not true. And I'm living proof. You're living proof. Yeah. Let me ask you then, because here we are. So your journey has brought you to where you are now. Who is Connie Jones now? Yeah. Well, are so you? Things, oh my gosh. I could just go on and on and on. I am a, I'm a free spirit. I'm an empath. I am a, I'm a, I'm an intuitive. I'm a nature lover, an animal lover. I'm a people lover. I am a coach. I'm a, a developer of people. I'm a motivator. I am fully alive, heart centered, and I'm a, a warrior. I'm a warrior for people's hearts and for their lives so that they can unleash the greatness inside of them that was put there. And the world needs the greatness inside of us because, you know, there are so many people that are waiting on us to who will never be their best until we become our best. You know, and I love helping people become their best self, not from a performance standpoint, not you got to do everything right and you got to follow this strategy and this formula, but from a what's right for me and what does my heart want and what makes my soul sing and whatever that looks like, right? Right. Yes. Right or wrong here. So how do I want to show up in the world? Yeah. If there was one sentence, Connie, like an idea or something that you'd want to share with others. Oh, Wow. Yeah. Couple things. Let I will, let me say this. One is be you and know who you are. If you live, if you discover your true essence and you live in your essence, you are your most powerful self. You can live in your authenticity and when we are living in our true essence, we are most powerful, we are living purposefully, and then everything we need is available to us in abundance to be able to help who we're supposed to help, do what we're supposed to do, and live the life that we were created for. And there is no lack in that. And there, we don't have to 
live in struggle, striving, surviving, we can thrive when we are living in who we were created to be. It's in the moment, right? You end up living in the moment, not worried about what happened before and not concerned about what happens next because you're living in the moment. And it's so true. And I felt this. And the idea is to feel that all the time. And that whatever it. is comes into your path, that's there for a reason. And you you that's embrace it. that with whatever it is. Right. Yes. And we also, and I've also learned to see that everything happening to me is happening for me. It's not happening to me. It's, you know, that's in everything so that I can be grateful for all of it. And I can, because right. contrast creates clarity. And so if something doesn't look like my picture, it's not bad. It's not a failure. It's not, I'm doing something wrong. It's, there's a contrast here. And that helps me create more clarity about what's for me in the future or what's the more available to me or what do I need to expand inside of myself to carry the capacity mm-hmm. for more, to be able to carry the more that's available to me. Another big thing that I really struggled with that I want to, and I'll wrap it up in the, the Brene Brown quote that I love. You either, you walk inside your story and you own it or you stand outside of your story and you hustle for your worthiness. And I would say walk in mm-hmm. your and stop hustling for your worthiness, standing outside of your story, watching everybody else. You mean convincing people that this is your story when you're not actually living it. Yeah. Well, no, like it, a lot of people stand outside of who they really are and they're living some, they're trying to live somebody else's story and they're trying to oh. hustle for, to try to create some sense of worthiness for themselves, but they don't understand that their worth is already there inside of themselves. And if they will learn who they are and own it and trust it, that's, and do the work that we need to do in order to do that, because it does take inner work and it does take courage to do that work. And it does take asking for help because we can't do it on our own. But if we learn who we are and we learn to own our story and we learn to stand inside that story and be who we were created to be, then we don't, then we understand what our worthiness is. And then we can live out of our worthiness, not we don't have to try to try to create our own significance. We can live in our significance from our significance, not for our significance. Does that make sense? Yes. It's so powerful. Yeah. You're human though, right? So you have all this oh, energy. Absolutely. You are a bundle of energy and so, <laughs> and you are so motivating, right? And you're, you're okay. obviously this, you're in your place. You are where you need to be. Is there like a, a trick or a, something that you say to yourself every day, a mantra, a meditation, something that you do for yourself every day to keep you on your path? Yeah. A couple of things. It's gotta be hard. There's got to be a day where you're just like, yeah, I just want to stay in bed. I don't know. What does that look oh, like? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, there's never really, um, I get up every morning with the fire burning in me. I really do because there's so much more I want to do. You know, there's so much, there's just so much inside of me because I am living in that purpose and that passion is just flowing. And once you understand, once you get in touch with that inner fire and everybody has that inner fire, oftentimes the circumstances of life kind of dim that fire and we lose ourselves. But once we find ourselves and once we feel that fire again, it doesn't go out. And so that's where the energy comes from. And I mean, I've, you know, obviously my energy is 
I believe it's a spiritual energy. It's from God. It's my God given purpose. Um, and so staying connected with him is a huge part of my daily practice and really just tapping into my heart and quieting the noise in my head and not letting the voices in my head, because there are a lot of voices in my head, you know, the lies that we come to believe or the things that the voice of fear, the voice yeah, of self, yeah. all of those things, you know, not every morning I tune my instrument. And what I mean by that is I spend time aligning with the spirit world with love and peace and joy and abundance and goodness and passion. How do you do that? I literally spend some time just dropping down out of my head. And I just have this practice. It's almost a a meditation that I drop down into my heart and I pray, I read, you know, scripture. And so fill my mind with truth constantly. Um, And I, and then I, I just spend some time opening my heart to receive because I don't really think we realize how much we live in resistance and we live in shutdown mode where we're just kind of like doing, 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 but we're not receiving and we were created to receive. And so I do that little practice every morning. I spend time in the presence of God because I believe there's such supernatural power in that the whole universe is run by that, you know, so things happen miraculously in the day that I couldn't even create for myself because I spend that time. Um, And then I make sure that throughout the day, I nurture my body. I fuel my body. I practice movement, healthy movement for my body. That's so important. And I don't think of it as working out anymore, having to go do something. It's movement. It's creative flow. My body needs expression. And so I make sure I get that helps a ton. And when I don't do that, I'm not very in a very healthy place. And then my mind, I train. One of the biggest things that I had to learn that kept me, that hindered me in not only in my life, but in my business was um, an untrained mind. And we have monkey mind. We live in survival mode so much. And we just believe everything that comes in our minds. And so I am very intentional and disciplined with what I allow in my thoughts. And I speak daily declarations. I speak, I I practice daily gratitude and not only gratitude at level, there's five levels of gratitude. I don't practice. Most of us live at level two in gratitude, which is saying. Totally watch that Facebook thing that you did. Five levels of gratitude. I'm like, oh, this sounds familiar. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so, but level five in gratitude says that, no, I'm going to be grateful for the things that there are no bad things. Everything's happening for me and I can be grateful for it all and because it's going to expand me and it's going to grow me and it's preparing me for what's next for me. And it's, um, you know, so there's not, we don't live conditionally when everything in my life, I can be grateful because everything in my life is happening in the way that I want it to. No, I'm going to choose to be grateful no matter what's happening. Mm-hmm. And that's where miracles happen. Mm-hmm. And, and so I practice that every day. Um, I don't teach the things that I don't practice and have practiced for years because it's changed my life that much. And then the final thing that I would say, um, it's spirit, mind, body, and connection and community. So those are the four that I make sure I have every day. How am I connecting with people? How am I loving? Because, you know, I live for years in performance and in performance driven mode, you don't connect with people. You right. live very isolating. Yes. And so I'm, a, I love connection and I want community. And so how am I loving people and how am I letting myself be loved and how am I sharing me with others rather than 
focusing on being task driven. And so those are the four pillars of the day that I that I I practice every single day. Do I do them perfectly? No, absolutely not. I'm human. Do I, you know, wake up in a bad mood sometimes? Absolutely. But I make myself do those things and then things turn around. And then once you learn to do them, life changes so much that you don't want to go back. You want to go back, right? That's so true. So what is next? For Connie Jones, what's next? Oh gosh, so much. Um, and I want it all now, but you know, I trust the process. <laughs> uh, the process, um, yeah, yeah. So that I mentioned the book. The book is, um, yeah. Tell the, us about you wrote yes, a book. I did the last. I've spent the last four years writing my book, and um, it's a story of my life and um, all the struggles. I mean, it is raw. It is real, and uh, put it all out there. Uh, wrote my story and then all of the things that I'm talking about today, plus much more that helped me transform my life and that twofold process, not only through my faith, but also through life coaching and uh, business coaching and you know, my journey, my personal and professional journey and all the things that I've learned or most of the things that I've learned that helped me close the gap in my life to What's the name live. of it. Oh, sorry. It's called, and that's okay. It's called warrior arise. It's live bravely, freely, and authentically you. Uh, and so it's just about that. And I'm excited. It should go to, we're going to press this week, publishing this week. And so it should be out soon as the publisher gets it out. Um, hopefully in the next couple, three months. And so March latest, I would say. And then I love teaching. I love coaching. Um, I've just launched my first online, first of many online coaching courses. Um, it's a five-week coaching course called Breakthrough. Um, and it starts on January 11th. And um, I love teaching people how to, you know, all the principles, all the wisdom that I've learned and continue to learn and continue to practice to help them transform their life and their business and their work to live where they want to live and close the gap in their, in, in their world. And then, oh, I mean, I could go on and on and on. I mean, I dream of having a sanctuary for people and animals to heal and thrive and develop themselves and have workshops and retreats. And, um, and that's my big dream, but that's going to, you know, take, that's way bigger than I am. And that will take uh, a move of God and partners and investors and resources and all kinds of things, but that's, and then, you know, just continuing to love people and I love writing. I love you know, sharing my journey. I have the Warrior Arise Tribe community on Facebook that I do weekly live videos on. I'm just a teacher. I'm a teacher and a coach. I'm the perfect combination of my mom and dad. I'm a teacher and a coach. And um, and so I, that's what I love doing. And I just want people to live the life that they were created for because we settle and that's no life at all. I'm totally with you. That is the whole purpose of this podcast as well. Yes. That's what yes. really like 40 up wasn't getting hit. By all the right. podcasts that I was listening to, you know, that's it. They're done that. What's up now is when we need to be singing our soul. It's song. that midlife that it is. It's forties, and it's a midlife when well. when we are when we really f- often find ourselves and it's time to find ourselves. It, and I think a right. lot of people keep going in the old patterns and and stay in the wash, re- rinse, repeat cycle, like we were speaking of. That's so it. I appreciate what you do 
So thank much. you. How can people find you, Connie? Because I know yeah. people are going to be listening to you today and want to talk to you. Oh, well, I would love that. And um, yeah, just, you know, want to impact as many people as I can to help them change their lives. So they can find me on Facebook. It's, I mean, you can friend me. It's Connie Jones. And then we also, I also have, it's Facebook um, forward slash Connie Jones LPC, which is our, our my business page, um, which is a rise counseling and coaching, but it's uh, Connie Jones LPC is the the formal name of it, and then we are DBA Arise Counseling and Coaching. Instagram, I'm at Connie Jones Coach is my Instagram handle, and then um, they can go to our website, which is www.arisecounselingandcoaching.com. And, you know, there's lots of information. There's a lot of videos. There's links to that. They can also on my Facebook page, on any of our Facebook page or Instagram, they can get the link to the Breakthrough Online Coaching Course. And that starts pretty soon. So you can see all the information there about that. And then they can, you can contact me directly if you want at uh, my email is Connie J, it's C-O-N-N-I-E-J at arisecounselingandcoaching.com. And that's A-R-I-S-E counselingandcoaching.com. And then my cell is 770-862-6088. They can text, they can call and just let me know how I can help. Connie, thank you so much for sharing your story. It's a great story. It resonates. I know it's going to resonate with so many people. It did me. I love everything you're doing. I love everything you stand for. How you you. got yourself out of that very ugly time. You know, you had it, you had that moment when you just, you hated God. You said, I hated God. And Mm -hmm. to bounce back, to be where you are now is so amazing. And people who haven't seen you yet, check her out. She's beautiful inside and outside. And I'm just so thrilled that you popped in just like everything else with this podcast. Things just happen, like you say, because you're aligned. And I saw on Facebook and I said, huh, I should probably look into her. And then we got to talking and your story is fabulous. So it's a really great story. It's a really great thing for people to identify with. And I hope that whoever is looking for anything from what they've heard today, they will contact you and, and get some resources from you and your Thank counseling you. and coaching, Thank coaching and so counseling. Much. Yes. Counseling yes. Coaching. Yeah. Yeah. We do both. We do both. Yes. And there, like I said, there's six of us now. So, yeah. you know, great. Pretty, between the six of us, we can cover pretty much anything. So Got it and covered. I, love, I love what you're doing. I just love, love your heart. We are so kindred souls and I love your energy. And it is just what you are doing for women in our industry. And I have such a heart for women, especially in that mid, mid age, because I, I live in it. That's there you are. We're in it. Our hearts, you know, so good for you. And thank you so much, Connie. Thank you. So thank awesome. you. Thank you. And what I think yeah. we'll do is uh, when your book comes out, I think we'll try to have a Facebook live. Okay. And maybe yeah. we'll do some, you're going to have to help me because I don't know how to do that yet, but we could do <laughs> some book giveaways that are signed by you or something and, That'd and talk. people can ask, ask questions. You can answer them. I think that would be really fun to plan that in March after oh, it, it gets released. That would that would be awesome. And I am so happy be? to, yeah, a ton. Yes. Sure. We definitely. I'm looking forward to your book for sure. Well, all right, girl. Until next all right. Time, thank yes. you. Breathe in your second wind. Thank you for listening today. 
I hope that something you heard made you smile, made you think, and made you feel. If these incredible stories empowered you, awakened you, or left you feeling inspired, make sure to share with a friend and write us a review on iTunes so we can continue to change lives through this content. Make sure you tag us while you're listening on our Facebook group, My Second Wind, or hit the link in the show notes to join the conversation. Until next time, go ahead and breathe in your second wind.